Welcome. We are so glad you are here with us today at the beginning of winter semester. It's going to be so good. We hope you enjoyed your holiday break. I wish I could sit with each of you over a cup of hot cocoa and hear all about it. For our family, it meant time together, playing games, talking, and enjoying a little bit of skiing. For those of you joining us electronically, we've had a bit of snow here in Rexburg, Idaho. It's been a little chilly, dipping to minus 13 over the break. Today, we are a balmy 35 degrees and the snow is magical. I hope you students see it that way as you make your way to class. As I mentioned, we took our family skiing. The Grand Targhee Ski Resort is about an hour away on the border of Idaho and Wyoming. We were all excited to try out a new lift that was installed over the summer. It is a smooth, state-of-the-art six-seater lift that looks futuristic and fancy. With all of the enthusiasm of a first-time ride, I said to the lifty, this is our first time on the new lift. He replied, oh, you are going to love it. The safety bar is voice activated. I was so excited to try it out. We hopped on and as the chair began to glide up on the cable, I said, bar down. Nothing happened. I tried down bar, still nothing. Then I realized that the lifty was chuckling to himself. After our first run down the hill, I said to him, you got me. He laughed and replied, you know how you know a lifty is lying. His lips are moving. We all enjoyed the joke and had a great day skiing and putting the bar down manually. I thought about the experience later, a little embarrassed to have been so gullible. But just that morning, I had asked Siri, what's the weather? And I had requested Alexa to turn on the kitchen lights and play music. So it didn't seem that crazy to ask the ski chair to put the bar down. I could see a spiritual lesson in this for me and maybe for you too. In April of 2022, Elder Neil Anderson spoke to our winter graduation. He asked the graduates, who are you listening to? The answer will shape your future and your eternal destiny. Will you largely be influenced by virtuous, motivating, righteous, insightful, and spiritually sensitive voices? Or will you be influenced more by negative, complaining, flattering, cynical, and carnal voices. Elder Anderson said, some voices should be avoided or considered less important than others. Now, I realize I wasn't put in any real danger by listening to the lifty, but I did fall prey to his joke by not thinking hard enough about what he was saying. We are starting a new semester at BYU-Idaho. It is a great place to be able to be guided by the right voices. BYU-Idaho is under the direction of the prophet and apostles. My husband, President Eyring, meets with them in the Board of Education Councils twice a month to get guidance for you. They are trusted voices. Good friends and family members can be trusted voices. Here at school or online, you can listen to good friends because they want to learn in a spiritual environment, just like you. They will have valuable insights and new points of view that will teach you. You might hear the phrase, the spirit of Ricks around campus. It is a feeling of inclusivity and nurturing that has been specially cultivated at this school. You can add to that by being a great friend to your classmates and roommates, and don't forget your professors. 
BYU-Idaho, like the other church educational system schools, is an environment where you will be able to hear the Holy Ghost. Elder Anderson shared that the Lord did more than promise the companionship of the Holy Ghost. He promised enlightenment to everyone that hearkeneth to the voice of the Spirit. I hope we will be looking for that enlightenment as we study, learn, and interact this semester. It will make all the difference. It will make the semester good. Finally, and most importantly, Elder Anderson said, Jesus Christ is our Savior and Redeemer. I plead with you to listen to his words and follow him, close quote. I can personally testify that Jesus is the answer to all of our questions, concerns, and the source of all that you and I really want. President Eyring and I can feel his love for each of you and promise that you will be able to feel it here at BYU-Idaho if you are seeking and listening. Now, just a reminder, if you go to Targhee, you will have to put the bar down on the lift yourself. As cool as it would be, it is not voice activated yet, but maybe someday. The bar is a safety feature, just like listening to the right voices will be. Let's help each other to listen to the prophet and apostles, our good friends and family, the Holy Ghost, and most importantly, the Savior, and to have fun as we navigate this exciting time together. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Brothers and sisters, welcome to the first BYU-Idaho devotional of winter semester 2023. Many of you are attending in the BYU-Idaho Center. Many others are blessed by online means. All of us can look forward to uplifting and enlightening experiences as we give our best today and throughout this semester. Recently, the topic of nurturing has come to my mind and heart. I vividly remember being a college student. It was a busy and sometimes harried time. There were classes to attend, assignments to do, and exams to prepare for. There was also a need to foster apartment unity. Somebody had to buy groceries, make regular meals, and occasionally clean the apartment to prevent health hazards. I'm sure this sounds very familiar to you, but there is something very valuable that can make these tasks both lighter and more effective. When I was a young boy, a long time ago, I loved singing about a little stream that paradoxically wanted to give away its water. You may have sung these words in your youth. Let's sing them together. Give, said the little stream, give, oh, give, give, oh, give. Give, said the little stream, as it hurried down the hill. I'm small, I know, but wherever I go, the grass goes greener still. Singing, singing all the day, give away, oh, give away. Singing, singing all the day, give, oh, give away. Thank you. My mother taught me this song when I was just learning to sing. 
I lived on the top of a high hill in California. Rain fell plentifully in the winter and spring, bringing out flowers and frogs. However, summer and fall were mostly dry. I liked to imagine that the hilltop streams could run year-round, keeping the flowers always refreshed. At BYU-Idaho and online, the rivers of spiritual and temporal knowledge never cease to flow, and no student is left to founder. Even as we focus on our studies and develop capabilities to lift ourselves and others, we can be nurturers. As we strive to be nurturers, the scriptures can give us powerful insights. Surprisingly to me, the word nurture appears rarely in our standard works of church scripture. One of those references can be found in Enos chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Behold, it came to pass that I, Enos, knowing my father, that he was a just man, for he taught me in his language, and also in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and blessed be the name of my God for it. In a similar vein, the Apostle Paul referenced nurturing. He said this to the saints in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey, quote, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. These scriptures remind me of you. You are, in the words of the Apostle James, easily entreated. This means that you are willing to do what the Lord asks of you without stubbornness and with humility. I admire you for this quality. James says, quote, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy, close quote. There is another, there is a similar reference in 3 Nephi chapter 10, verse 4, when great destruction nearly devastated the Nephite civilization. For many hours, the earth reeled and seemed likely to end. In the dark stillness afterward, though, the people heard our Savior's voice. He said, quote, O ye people of these great cities which have fallen, who are descendants of Jacob, yea, who are of the house of Israel, how oft have I gathered you as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings and have nourished you, close quote. My constant prayer and hope is that you and I will use our divinely appointed gift of nurturing to gather chickens under our wings. In particular, BYU-Idaho can be a place where we gather to be nurtured intellectually and especially spiritually. President Nelson has said something similar. In the April 2018 General Conference, he declared, quote, 
a hallmark of the Lord's true and living church will always be an organized, directed effort to minister to individual children of God and their families. Because it is His church, we as His servants will minister to the one just as He did. We will minister in His name with His power and authority and with His loving kindness." Close quote from the prophet. When I think of nurturing, my parents come quickly to mind. As a child, I felt that nurturing when my father was president of Ricks College. His office on campus was just a few small city blocks from my school. At lunchtime, I walked there from my junior high school, and he made lunch for the two of us. After school, I returned to his office where I did homework. Then we walked home for dinner. Even then, Rexburg and this campus left an indelible impression on me. When my father was transferred to Utah and my family moved there, I assumed that I'd never live in Rexburg again. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> when I returned to Rexburg in 2006, following a family mission in Tokyo, I could hardly imagine how much had changed, especially at the university. In addition to a much larger campus, there were four-year degree programs. But I was amazed by the sweet spirit that continued here. Professors and other university leaders seemed to me like mission leaders, caring for the students and other employees with the same reverence and guiding hand of a mission president and his companion. And the students had a missionary quality, not just in the classroom, but also in the campus at large, which embraced students working online. Today, I feel the same nurturing I had felt with my father on this campus many years ago. Over this past holiday break, I received many Christmas cards. Many of the cards are sweetly personal. Here is an example of one. Quote, I was raised in Colonia Juarez, Mexico. My ancestors were neighbors with your grandfather, Henry Eyring, before the revolution of 1910. It's fun to make those connections. I appreciate who you are and the spirit felt here at BYU-Idaho. I recently visited with a couple of students who described the reason for which they have chosen to remain at BYU-Idaho and progress toward graduation. For both students, the gospel was never a part of their growing up years. They both described that being here initially felt odd as they struggled to feel a sense of belonging. When the first student left to return home to work and save money, he realized the difference in the spirit he felt at BYU-Idaho, and he chose to return. When the second student returned after Thanksgiving, he recognized the difference in the spirit he felt here and decided to stay because he wanted more of the spirit in his life. 
Today, both students are working toward temple recommends. End of quote. I have invited a current student, Maddie Thomas, to share her personal experiences with nurturing at BYU-Idaho. Following her remarks, management faculty member Bob Morley will share his thoughts and insights with us. Maddie. As a student here at BYU-Idaho, I feel it's almost always possible to feel the love and compassion that teachers and the administration have for every single student. The lessons we are taught, the textbook material we study, and the class discussions always strengthen my testimony and remind me of God's power in my life. To have my soul nurtured in this way is a unique experience and one that I hold very close to my heart. This care and guidance shown to me by various professors has fostered a better sense of leadership, personal honor, integrity, self-reliance, and so many other key personal characteristics. These characteristics have been essential in my work as a wife, mother, student housing manager, and mentor for the Heber J. Grant program. I've loved the opportunities I've had as a mentor and manager to listen to individuals who are homesick, struggling with mental illness, worried about their dating life, wrestling with which major to choose, or trying to figure out how to handle a situation with a roommate. There are always ups and downs associated with college life. Being able to stand next to the students I associate with and offer comfort during the lows and celebrate their successes during the highs has been inspiring and unforgettable. The light, love, and joy I feel when focusing on serving others around me fills my heart with immeasurable peace. Whether they be students staying at the apartment complex, students who are part of the Heber J. Grant program, or those I see passing by. In all of this, I find it important to remember the gift of accepting service and the loving attempts from others to nurture me. I have learned that when I allow others to serve and nurture me, I am essentially telling our Heavenly Father that I am willing to learn and be molded. It is in my weaknesses when I am humbled before the Lord and willing to completely and wholeheartedly rely on Him that He strengthens and nurtures me through prayer, scripture study, and the kind, selfless acts of those around me. Sister Neil F. Marriott of the Young Women General Presidency has said, we build the kingdom when we nurture others. My prayer for all of us this semester and throughout the rest of our lives is that we will gladly take every opportunity to serve and love those around us, that we may show the Lord through our dedicated efforts that He may always rely on us to do His will and nurture as He does. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. After his resurrection, Jesus visited several of his disciples as they were fishing along the shores of the Sea of Tiberias. After inviting the disciples to dine with him, Jesus poignantly asked Peter the same simple question three times, lovest thou me? After Peter's affirmative and heartfelt reply, the Lord thrice repeated the same clear commandment to Peter, feed my sheep. In our mission here at BYU-Idaho to build and to become disciple leaders, 
Perhaps the most important question we must consider is the same question that Jesus asked of Peter. Lovest thou me? And perhaps the greatest demonstration of what it means to be a disciple leader is to choose to feed his sheep by nurturing the people in our lives. Which begs the question, if I love the Lord, how can I feed his sheep? In the scriptures, the Lord teaches that for a seed to take root and become a life-giving tree, it must be planted in good ground and nurtured carefully and consistently over time. While learning to feed his sheep merits a lifetime of study and practice, even a child can recognize what is behind all effective nurturing. It is love. To have good soil or a prepared heart, we must feel the love of God and trust Him enough to be willing to plant the seed of truth by acting on it. The same love that invites us to plant the seed is also the essential nutrient for the tree to grow and the promised fruit when the tree matures. As each person is a unique, beloved son or daughter of God, the way we show His love must also fit the needs of the individual. I'd like to share two examples from my life. When I was a student at BYU, I lived in the basement of a sweet elderly couple's home. One day, as I knocked on the door to pay rent, our landlady answered the door in tears. When I asked her what was wrong, she explained to me that her grandson, we'll call him Jimmy, had just moved into the upstairs apartment and that she had discovered that he had been using his newfound freedom of living at grandma's place to party and smoke weed. Jimmy's abuse of his grandma's kindness infuriated me, and I determined that I would pay him an immediate visit to set him straight on behalf of his grief-stricken grandmother. As I approached the door of Jimmy's apartment, a small bird dove violently at my head. I ducked behind a car until I thought it was safe, but my second attempt was met with an even more vicious response from my feathered attacker. In my third attempt to rise from my place of safety, the ensuing attack was such that I fled for my life, still determined to return and give Jimmy a piece of my mind when the coast was clear. I returned to my apartment to begin my studies for the day with a little time in the scriptures. I opened Alma 17 and read of Ammon winning the heart of King Lamoni by offering to become his servant. I felt humbled and moved to a to abandon my initial anger and to return to Jimmy in the spirit of friendship. I did so, this time without a bird attack. And when Jimmy answered the door, I welcomed him to our apartments and asked him what he liked to do. It turned out that we both loved doubles volleyball and we set a regular time to play. Over time, all of us roommates befriended Jimmy. We had a lot of fun and some precious conversations. Jimmy eventually served a mission and went on to become a great husband, father, and leader. I've often been grateful that a little bird gave me the opportunity to pause and think about what might actually nurture and lift Jimmy. This principle of preparing the ground by showing sincere love is further illustrated by a miracle that occurred in our family in recent years. My wife has a twin sister, Michelle. She has a good, generous heart, Yet for many years, her goodness was somewhat overshadowed by ill feelings toward the family and the gospel and some tragic choices that led to addiction and suffering. Try as we might, Michelle was not always willing 
to receive our attempts to connect. And we sometimes felt that our prayers for a better relationship were in vain. At one point, my teenage daughter, Ella, decided that she wanted a relationship with her Aunt Michelle. She determined to write her once a month, no matter the response. After four months of unanswered letters, my wife received a surprising text from Michelle that went something like this. I just checked my mail, and I found Ella's letters. Tell her I'm in tears right now, and that this is the first time since I can remember that I've felt like an aunt and like I'm a true part of a family. I'll write her as soon as I can. We had prayed and fasted for many years to know how to help Michelle. And the simple, no-strings-attached nature of a young woman's letters were a catalyst that set in motion one of the most beautiful seasons of love and connection with Michelle and her son that we've ever experienced. She has since voluntarily and heroically left her addictions behind. And we now have daily conversations that are laced with gratitude, love, light, and truth. Michelle also started classes with Pathway this last week. So to nurture others, we must seek, receive, and be willing to share God's love. Then if we desire it, the words of Christ will tell us and the Spirit will show us what to do. We might be invited to befriend people who are different from us, to teach and mentor differently, to sacrifice our time, maybe even to take out our headphones and say hello to the people around us, or to exchange virtual time for real time with real people. Whatever the invitation, I know that its author can be trusted completely and that the promised fruit of his invitation is sweet above all that is sweet and that it will bring us more joy than anything else in the universe. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Like you, I am grateful for inspiring testimonials such as these. Some of the stories seem to be facilitated by angels on both sides of the veil. Another example of nurturing can be found in a heroic female in the New Testament. The widow of Nain lived in a city which our Savior and his disciples visited. He learned that the woman's only son had died. As the dead young man was carried out of the city, a large crowd formed. When the Savior saw the bereaved widow, he had compassion on her, saying, Weep not. He then came and touched the young man's coffin, causing the bearers to stop. Remarkably, the Savior said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. The man sat up and began to speak. Of course, his mother was overjoyed. Word went out far and wide. Among the first to respond were the disciples of John, a cousin of the Savior. These disciples knew their respective roles in the establishment of the Lord's Church. The Savior welcomed John and his disciples, but it was clear through miracles of healing the lame, cleansing lepers, restoring hearing, raising the dead, and preaching the gospel to those of all stripes that Jehovah was reigning on earth. One of the results was fame and large, curious crowds John receded 
allowing the Savior to strengthen his church. The miracles performed by the Son of God spoke for themselves. The Savior declared his power to remit sins and command the elements. The faith, humility, and nurturing of this one woman allowed our Savior Jesus Christ to work miracles and strengthen the church. In going about doing good, you and I can be assured that we are in the Lord's work. He will guide and strengthen us. We will have the capacity to work miracles in our own lives and in the lives of others. I look forward to joining you as fellow nurturers and recipients of nurturing in our Heavenly Father's kingdom. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.